We're starting a new series this morning called Who is Jesus? We were in a series in August, if you missed it. Uh, you can grab those messages on our podcasts and things. But we had a great series in August on um, how God prepares people. And we're reminded that God often prepares us in the obscure and ordinary places of life. And uh, you may feel like you're in an obscure place or in a very ordinary place. Uh, God is at work in your life and in that place. And uh, that was a great series for us to walk through. But as we start this morning, we're looking at for the month of September, just into early October, we're going to just look at this one question, who is Jesus? And it's a simple question. And honestly, this morning, I've got a very simple message for you. It's not long, it's not hard to understand, but it's an important point, single point that I want us to get this morning on this topic of who is Jesus? Uh, let me start by framing it this way. When I, um, when I go to ministers' meetings, uh, a lot of times uh, when there's other pastors there, uh, they come up to me and they will say, hey, Kevin, good to see you. And uh, I say, oh, good to see you, but my name, I'm not Kevin. And I say, oh, okay. And then I'll walk a little further in and say, hey, Kevin, you, you did, it was great having you come minister at our church. And, you know, then I'm like, really? Wow, you really? This is interesting. And uh, they're like, we're going to start supporting you soon. And I'm like, well, that's great. That's, I'm like, you should really support Kevin um, and give him all you can. Um, and because Kevin is a great guy, but I'm not Kevin. Uh, this is me and Kevin beside each other. I took this picture. Because I was there at a youth convention actually last March and I saw Kevin and I said, Kevin, I need a picture with you because I just need something to show people that I am not you. Because his name is Kevin Zarika, and he's a missionary on high school campuses in New England with Youth Alive and he preaches and is a great guy. Um, and if you don't know which is which, the good looking one on your left is Kevin and then there's me. Oh no, on your right, that's my left. <laughs> Um, whichever way you want to see it. Um, but anyway, Kevin's a great guy. And I don't see the resemblance, but maybe you do. I guess we both have beards and high foreheads that catch the flash of a camera. Um, and both of our last names ended in vowels. I don't know. But Kevin Zarika is a great guy, but uh, he's not me. But sometimes people mix us up, and sometimes I bet people have mixed you up at times and thought you were someone else and maybe called you. Maybe you got a brother. Maybe you got a sister. Maybe you got someone close to you, and they come to you, and they think you're someone else, and it's no big deal. And we correct them, and we say, oh, no, that's not me. I've stopped correcting them when it comes to Kevin. I just greet them and say, oh, it's good to see you too. Um, you should up your support for me, and then Kevin can deal with that fallout. But, um, uh, but you know, it's no big deal. Uh, but when it comes to who is Jesus, it's a little bit of a big deal if we get that wrong. And if we don't get it right when it comes to who Jesus is, we could end up way off track for those of us who call ourselves followers of Jesus. It's not a matter of just getting a name or an identity wrong. It could be a matter of getting our whole life and eternity off track. And when it comes to following Jesus, a small deviation uh, of misunderstanding who he is in one place can end up in down the road being way off track 
from what it is to be a follower of Jesus. And so we're taking the month of September and we're just looking at one past scripture and what it says about who Jesus is. And this morning I want to talk to you about one simple point, uh, really three words of who Jesus is. And I want you to take that home this morning and kind of we're going to nail that uh, down a couple times and uh, we'll set that st- let that set the stage for the rest of the series. And as we get into that, uh, let, me, uh, let me run you through a little exercise. Here's what I want you to do. Take out your connect card that you got when you came in. Take out your connect card and find something to write with. If you didn't bring something to write with, there's maybe a pen uh, in the chair in front of you. Those are in the front. Those of you in the front row, we haven't really prepared. You have to reach behind you. There may be pens behind you in the chairs. We haven't done very, but uh, if you don't, you, if you don't have a pen, you can do this exercise by remembering. It's a quick exercise. Here it is. I'm going to give you a word and I want you to write down what you think the definition of this word is. No Googling. Put your phones down. I want you to write down what you think the definition of this word is. Here is the word. Ultra-crepidarian. 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 I missed the eye there. Write down what you think. We're playing a little Mount Hope Balderdash here. Write down what you think the definition of ultra-crepidarian is. Give you a second. I'm not going to hum the Jeopardy music, but... Give you a second. Write that down. All right, you got it? Turn to your neighbor. Tell them what you wrote down. Tell them what you think the definition is. They don't know any more than you do. Don't worry about it. All right, did anyone come up with this? An ultra-crepidarian is one who gives opinions outside of his or her knowledge. (laughs) Anyone come up with that? Or are we all ultra-crepidarians? Yeah, you you got that? I don't know, your mother's not vouching for you, bud. That's, that's, uh, but uh, no, that, uh, so ultra-crepidarian, one who gives opinions outside of his or her knowledge. Here's what I want, uh, why I walk you through that, because I think when it comes to God, many people end up giving opinions outside of their knowledge. Uh, There's many people that talk about God or think about God, uh, and they give opinions about God, but it's outside really of their knowledge of God. And to be fair to some of these people, uh, they honestly are making a guess because they think they have to make a guess. Because many of them feel like there's no way to actually know what God is like. And there's one really good reason for that, and that's because God is invisible, because you can't see him. And so if you can't see God, many people are led to believe, well, then you can't really know anything about God. But some people are led to doubt. How could you possibly know God? You can't see him. Others are skeptic that even if you say you know something about God, How could you possibly know it definitively because God is invisible? And this leads people to all kinds of theories. And throughout history, if you were to study ideas of people that came up with ideas about God, I mean, they vary greatly. I mean, you can go from Greek and Roman mythology to the latest, you know, pop psychology books that show up on Barnes and Noble. 
People have all kinds of ideas about God. And frankly, many think, well, my opinion's as good as any other because how could you know? Because God is invisible because you can't see him. So how could you possibly know anything about God? And the thing about God is, yes, he's invisible, but he's extremely important. And we have to pay attention to things that are important even if we can't see them. It wasn't too long ago, I mean, in the last century, that we didn't understand how bacteria worked in the human body because we couldn't see it. And, you know, people were getting sick, people were dying, people were, you know, diseases were getting passed from, you know, person to person, and no one knew why. We couldn't see it, but it was important. And people discovered, you know, finally at the microscopic level and being able to see things and how they were affecting us. And we studied that and antibiotics are developed and things changed because it was something that we couldn't see, but also something that was important. And I think God is something that is extremely important even if you can't see him. Or maybe we can see him. Uh, and I want to talk about that a little bit more this morning. So this morning's text comes out of a book called Colossians. And we're going to look at a scripture this morning from Colossians chapter 1. And if you, don't have a, if you have your Bible, you can turn to that, Colossians chapter 1. If you don't have a Bible, there's one in a chair, probably under your chair rack or nearby. And if you want to turn and follow along as I read this morning, you're welcome to do that. If you're looking in the Bible in your chair rack, it's about page 983 is what I'm on. Colossians should be right about there. So all of September, we're looking at Colossians chapter 1, verses 15 to 23. I'm going to focus in on one small portion of that passage today, but I want to read the entire uh, few verses for you this morning. Uh, it all talks about who Jesus is, answers this question, who is Jesus? And we'll be unpacking this over the next few weeks. But here's the passage, Colossians chapter 1, verses, 1 through, uh, verses 15 to 23. He, that is Jesus, is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. And you who once were alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds, he has now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him. If indeed you continue in the faith, stable and steadfast, not shifting from the hope of the gospel that you heard, which has been proclaimed in all creation under heaven and which I, Paul, have become a minister that passage is what we'll be unpacking over the next few weeks, but I want to zero in on one short phrase right in the beginning, not even the entirety of verse 15, just this phrase here, he, Jesus, is the image of the invisible God. Jesus is the image of the invisible God. In that 
seems maybe quite apparent, but I think it's important for us to grasp this understanding that in Jesus, God has chosen to make the invisible visible. He's chosen to make himself be seen. And the truth is, you really couldn't know anything about God if God didn't choose first to reveal himself to you. I mean, you could pretend and you could be an, hold on, ultra-creptarian. You could pretend and have an opinion about what God is, but you really can't know anything about God unless he chooses to reveal himself to you. It's the same with me and you. If we've never met, you could say you know me and all things about me, and you could even, you know, from the way I look or dress or talk, maybe you can say you know me, but you're really making guesses unless I choose to open up about me, tell you who I am, and reveal myself to you. And what Paul is saying, what the Bible is saying, is that's exactly what God has done in Jesus, that he has chosen to show you what God looks like. And here's the, here's the three words that I just want to drive home for the next few minutes that we have together. And here's the most important point of this morning. And it's simple, and you know it, and I'm going to say it, and you're not even going to write it down. Because you're like, yeah, duh, okay, move on. Here it is. Jesus is God. And it's simple. And if you've been in church a long time in all your life, yeah, okay, got that, move on. But I'm not sure we do. I'm not sure we understand. Because I think sometimes even those of us who've been in church a long time think of Jesus as something other than God. Jesus is maybe the son of God. But we forget that he is God the son. Jesus is king. But he's more than that. He's God. Jesus is your savior, but he's more than that. He's God. Jesus is a great teacher, but he's God. I think some of us who have grown up around the church maybe look at Jesus and we say, oh yeah, he's a great model. Sometimes if we're not careful, we can get into the idea that Jesus is just some platonic ideal of a model of what a human life is supposed to be like. That's not what Jesus is. Jesus is God. Jesus is God. So when you look at Jesus, you are actually seeing what God is like. We as Christians believe in the triune God, that God has revealed himself in the Trinity. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. All three are God. One God expressed in three persons. I'm not going to unpack all of that this morning. But God in Jesus is God. This is God come to earth. This is God saying, this is what God is like. But sometimes we miss it. You say, how can we possibly miss that? Let me read you another passage of scripture from John 14. In John 14, if you want to flip over there, you can flip over there. Jesus was talking with his disciples, his followers, and he had just told them, hey, I'm going to be leaving. They'll be crucified. They're going to kill me. I'll be raised again. I'll be rise again, but I'm going to be leaving you. And his disciples are feeling lost. And Jesus gives them words of comfort. And these are comforting words to all of us. And he says to his disciples, let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. 
If it were not so, I would have told you, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself that where I am, you may also be and you know the way to where I'm going. Thomas said, Lord, we don't know where you're going. How can we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you had known me, you would have known my Father also. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father, and it is enough for us. I want to stop there for a second. Philip, if you don't know, was one of Jesus' followers, one of his first followers. He's been following Jesus for three years. He's been with him everywhere. He's watched him do miracles. He's watched him raise the dead. He's watched him heal. He's watched him feed thousands of people with a few loaves and a few fish. He has heard him teach. He has heard him uh, interact with everyone around. He has walked with them. And here he is standing face to face with Jesus. Jesus is standing right in front of him in the flesh. And he says, well, if you show us God, then, then we'll believe. Show us the Father. That will be enough. And I think sometimes those of us in the 21st century, 2,000 years after Jesus, who aren't standing face to face with him, sometimes think the same thing. Well, if I just saw God, well, then, then my faith would be sure. If, if some of you that may be in here and don't believe, yeah, if I just saw God, I would believe. If God just appeared to me, if the invisible became visible, if I could know what God is like, then, then I would believe. And here's Philip, a disciple of Jesus, saying, show us the Father and that'll be enough. And Jesus responds to him. Jesus said to him, have I been with you so long and you still don't know me, Philip? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words that you say to you, I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does his works. Believe in me that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or else believe on account of the works. Jesus is saying, Philip, you don't get it. When you see me, you are seeing God. When you see me, this is what God is like. This is who God is, Philip. But he didn't get it. And so if Philip didn't get it, when he's standing there right in front of Jesus, there's a chance that 2,100 years later, without Jesus standing right in front of us, that we might not get it. And we say, God, just show up. God, just show me yourself. God, just make the invisible visible. And he says, I did. And we have these books in front of us. And if you've got a written one and, uh, and you've got these red words in it, and there's the words of Jesus and the teaching of Jesus, and God's saying, I made the invisible visible. If you want to know me, if you want to see God, look at Jesus. And then you see God. If you want to know what God looks like, look at Jesus. Amen. So often we look in so many other places. We look to popular books. We look to other people. But what is God like? I want to find out what God is like. Jesus says, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. If you see me, this is God. Paul is saying, look, he has made the image of God revealed to you. 
And yet we spend more time looking at other places. And those of you that maybe you're in here and you think, well, I'm not a follower of Jesus. I don't believe in God. My question to you is, do you not believe in God because of what someone else has told you? Or do you not believe in God because you have looked at what God looks like for yourself? Go to a primary source. Don't take someone else's word for it. Don't take your friend's word for it. Don't even take some pastor's word. Don't take my word for it. Have you looked yourself at the words of Jesus and decided whether or not he is God? Jesus says to Philip, if you don't don't believe what I'm saying, at least believe the miracles. At least believe the works. For us, the historical representation of the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, the miracles he did, the billions of people that have followed the change that's been made in the world, the evidence around you, at least look at the works and then consider. But don't make it based on just your own opinions. Go to the primary source. And I encourage you to do that. Jesus is God. Most of us spend our time saying, what is God like? But he's made the invisible visible. So spend time looking at him. But not only that, the fact that Jesus is God and that when we look at Jesus, we look at God. But the very fact that he just came to earth tells us something about God. The very fact that he came and lived a life before us. You know, some of us think of Jesus and we think, well, he just came to be a sacrifice for our sins. Sure, primarily and mainly, that would, Jesus, that's why Jesus came. But if Jesus only came to die, if God only came to earth to die, that actually could have been accomplished very quickly. Because right after he was born, Herod committed to killing all the babies in Bethlehem because he was jealous, if you remember the Christmas story, because he heard that a king had been born and he was king. And so he put out this order to kill all the babies in Bethlehem where Jesus was. And God protected and Jesus fled. Why? If he just came to be a sacrifice for sins, that could have been accomplished. He was fully God in that moment. He was God come to earth. But there was more than that. He came and he lived 33 years and he did three years of ministry so that you and I would be able to see what God looks like. Not just to see, sometimes we think, a perfect human, a life lived out perfectly, although he did live perfectly, but to see what God looks like. So when Jesus talks with a person in Scripture, that's what God looks like talking. That's God. And we miss that sometimes. So make sure you go to the primary sources and look Because God has revealed himself and he has made the invisible visible. But Jesus coming to earth tells you something else about him. It tells you about God that he is interested in you. That he's not given up on this humanity thing. That he he has not given up on it. The fact that God himself came to earth says that he wants to know you and that he wants you to know him. Because just like you couldn't know anything about God if he didn't reveal it, You couldn't know God if he didn't come to want to know you. It's like this. If you don't know someone and uh, you've never met them and they come on a long journey to visit you, once you see them face to face and talk with them, you get to know them. 
But the truth is the journey itself tells you something about them. The fact that they would set aside resources, the fact that they would set aside time, the fact that they would take the journey to come to see you tells you something about them and their relationship with you. They want to know you. They want to spend time with you. They want you to know them. And so just Jesus coming to earth tells you something about who God is and about what God is like. And it lets you know that God wants to know you. He sees you and he wants to know you and he wants you to know him. So in the next few weeks, we're gonna be looking at this question of who is Jesus? And the first answer to that question is Jesus is God. He's not God light. He's not God junior. He's not simply a great teacher. He's not simply a model for you to model your life after. He didn't come that way. He didn't say that. In fact, he said, I and the Father are one. It's an audacious statement. C.S. Lewis, if you read his book, Mere Christianity, you know, he says the fact that Jesus made those statements gives you only three options. He puts it this way. He's either Lord, liar, or lunatic. Jesus clearly thought. Jesus clearly said he was God. So, he either is who he says he was. He's a liar. Was outright knowingly lying to people. Or as Lewis puts it in his book, he's on the level of a man who says he's a poached egg and is a lunatic and is out of his mind. But he says, Lewis goes on to say, but let us not go about this business of saying he's a great teacher. Simply a great teacher. He has not left that option open to us. He's Lord, he's liar, or lunatic. And this first week, the point is Jesus is God. And if you want to see what God looks like, look at Jesus. And if you're in here and you're a skeptic, I encourage you to stay with us through these few weeks as we talk about who Jesus is. Because a little over 2,000 years ago, there was a birth in Bethlehem a very obscure village in a very obscure nation in a very obscure part of the world. And there was this birth of this baby Jesus born into a manger. No one really noticed it going on. And he grew up and had a synagogue, local synagogue education and had a few followers and friends that were around him and was crucified on a Roman cross. And it should have ended there. But my question to you is, why didn't it? If you don't believe and you're a skeptic, why is it 2,000 years later that there are billions of people following this obscure person born in an obscure place so far away and so long ago? My answer is because he's God. And you, if that's not your answer, I'm just saying, if in intellectual honesty, you just need to have an answer for that, that what it is. So if you're here and you're a skeptic, I encourage you to hang with us for a few weeks and look at this question of who Jesus is. If you're here and you're a follower of Jesus, then my challenge is this. Look at Jesus and see who God is.
So how would you do that? A couple things, uh, maybe just uh, you could try. I a few, not too long ago, I was in a situation where I said, you know what, God, I need to, I read all this, these books and I even read, I read my Bible regularly, but I just need to know more who you are. I need to know you more, God. I need to know more who Jesus is. And so here's a simple exercise I did. Maybe it's good for you. I just took one teaching of Jesus, the Sermon on the Mount, and it's found in Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7. It's not that long. You can read it in 12 minutes, 15 minutes tops. You can read through it. And so I decided for one month I would read that pastor scripture each day, every day for a month. Might even been longer than a month. And just go through Monday, wake up and read it. Tuesday, wake up and read it. Wednesday, wake up and read it. And the idea is this, Lord, show me who you are. If I look at Jesus and I see God, Lord, I need a better understanding of who you are. And so maybe you would do that. Take time and look at closer at who Jesus is. And say, God, as I read this again today, I've read it yesterday, I know what it says. I've read it last week, I know what it says. But God, help me to understand more who you are. Maybe you'd take one of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John. Spend a month or two months or six months delving in deeper, looking at the life of Jesus. Not because he's some guru or model life like any other person out there, but because Jesus is God. And if you want to know God, look at the life of Jesus. Because in Jesus, God has made the invisible visible. And so look at him and you, may, you will know God more. We pray. Father, we come before you today. Lord, and this is a simple message, but I'm, Lord, I'm afraid it's one that we don't always get. And that, Lord, somehow we make God the Son. Um, Lord, we don't understand that that is... God, Lord, that as we read and study the life of Jesus, that it is God that we are studying. And Lord, I pray that you would help each and every one of us, Lord, to grasp more who you are. Lord, to understand more, to get this right. And even though as we, over the next several weeks, delve into this scripture deeper and we start looking at who exactly is Jesus, I pray that you will speak to us and lead us. That if there are places in our thinking, our theology about you, that we are speaking out of our own ignorance, our own opinion, and they don't line up with who you actually are, then I pray over these next several weeks you will correct those. Bring us back to an understanding of who you are that correctly represents and understands who you are so that we may follow you more fully. Lord, I pray for those in this room today who are here and they're considering or they're not followers of Jesus. Lord, I pray that you would. Lord, reveal yourself to them as they sincerely seek, as they sincerely ask questions. Why are these people the way they are? What is it about them that has changed their life and means so much to them? I pray that you would reveal yourself to them even as they seek you sincerely, Lord. God, help us to be followers who know you and know that you know us. In Jesus' name, amen.